Welcome to the New York Lucis Trust Full Moon Meditation Meeting. Each month we work together as a group to contact, hold, and distribute spiritual energy in the service of humanity and all life forms. To receive announcements for our meetings, please email us at newyork at lucistrust.org, L-U-C-I-S-T-R-U-S-T dot org. Oh, friends, good afternoon. It's good to see you all here, and it's very good to know that there's a large group of you um, around the country and perhaps around the world listening into this meeting and tuning in. It's the full moon meditation this evening. Soon after midnight tonight at around seven minutes to one tomorrow morning here in Eastern Standard Time, Eastern Daylight Time, the moon will be full. Reflecting, reflecting the maximum flow of light from the sun onto the earth. For nearly all Western astrologers, the incoming solar energies pouring onto the earth tonight are understood to be conditioned by the constellation Cancer. Cancer is particularly notable in the night sky because of its diffused light. It's the dimmest of all the constellations in the zodiac, and in ancient times it used to be referred to as the dark sign. Its name Cancer is Latin for crab, and this draws on the mythology of the second labor and the Hercules legend when, in some tellings of the story, the hero smashed the shell of a crab sent by the hydra to snap at Hercules' toes. Alice Bailey comments on this reference to the crab as symbolizing the liabilities of the incarnation process and the handicaps besetting the soul as it enters into the world of form and physical incarnation to travel along the path of evolution. The soul becomes lost, imprisoned in the material world, immersed in watery impulses of desire and instinct, with a consciousness that is yet to be fully individualized, primarily identifying with the tribal unit. The crab lives half on the land and half in the water in a sort of in-between state. Not fixed in any one location, pushed and pulled this way and that by the tides and by the environment in which it's embedded. It also has a house on its back, so as it moves, or rather is moved, between the land and the water, it carries its house around with it. The shell, its home, is a sort of prison giving the creature no choice about where it will settle down and live. It also makes moving around awkward and difficult. The house is always there, it can't be escaped. So in cancer we consider the challenges of humanity coming to terms with and understanding the world of form, and of making this house a place of beauty and light and freedom, rather than a burden and a source of vulnerability. And hence the keynote. I build a lighted house and therein dwell. Much of the work that we seek to do during these four men festivals concerns the transformation of consciousness as it affects the individual unit treading the path and building relationship with the soul. The I in the keynotes for most signs draws our attention to the growth and development of self-consciousness leading to its passage into group consciousness. But in cancer, the keynote is little unusual, and the I refers less to individual 
and more to the soul's work with collectives, with whole nations and tribal identities, like red and blue identities in the U.S., or like white or black or Latino, where individuals become, for periods of time at least, absorbed in a particular mass consciousness, a collective group. Each of these tribal units tends to divide itself off from other blocks of mass consciousness. Individuality is said to be embryonic in cancer, and the focus is on identification with a mass mind and with the waves of emotion and unconscious psychic forces that sweep through the sensitive desire nature of whole populations. It seems as if we're living through a Cancerian moment in the history of our nations and of humanity at large right now, for this is a time everywhere of polarization, with populist movements on the right and the left, when raw emotions flow through the body politic like hormones, often with little control or independent rational thought, or independent rational thought. These emotional waves are amplified and stimulated by constant repetition through the many branches of popular media. So we might ponder this a little, bearing in mind that the opportunity of cancer is summed up in the keynote of humanity attending to the world of form in all its levels, and building a lighted house so that through the experience of this time we will, as whole nations and as species, as a species, find new ways of being at home in the world of time and space, at home in the world of relationships, families, communities and environments, at home and free from crippling emotions that divide us into warring factions, and at home with healthy relationships to the worlds of matter, mineral, plant and animal. The new world that we can evoke will be new in part because of a new way in which humanity feels itself to be at home with the creatures, the flowers, the earth and the soil. And cancer reminds us that this new sense of being at ease with our home and breathing with it will be the dominant note of the species as a whole. Stewardship will become a keynote of the civilization that's emerging now, a keynote shared in different ways by different sections of society. The various cultures, faiths and nations can each be expected to develop their own approaches to home and what it means, and to stewardship and responsibility. Probably some of the best examples of this today are in national parks in different parts of the world. In the special protection that's given to species that are associated with the symbologies of countries, like the national bird of the United States, the bald eagle. Every country places a lot of attention and often a large significant financial investment in the protection and preservation of its national national bird, national animal. We see this too in the rising interest in the relationship to the land that's developed in ancient times by indigenous cultures and in the incredible diversity of initiatives to pioneer sustainable agriculture and forestry, permaculture, bioregionalism and so on. Cancer reminds us that the path towards some sense of ease in our relations with the world is a path fraught with difficulties. It doesn't come easy. Life itself is vigorously pushing its way into human relationships and human affairs. 
and as the intensity of daily life rises, as cultures and peoples are increasingly forced to rub up against each other through migration, through flows of refugees and ever-changing multi-ethnic neighborhoods, the problems of humanity that D.K. described back in the 1940s are increasingly affecting all of us with a growing intensity. So we're being forced by the pressure of life itself to find some sort of shared acceptance of diversity and its accompanying understanding of interdependence and wholeness. The painful polarization and apparent imprisonment by hormones flowing through the life of nations must be experienced and lived through before choices can be made and new qualities of leadership can emerge that can guide the large masses of the population into something new. And it needs to happen before nations can choose to realign in real and meaningful ways with a deeper soul purpose and intention behind those nations. So let's pause for a moment of stillness and try as a group to link into the evolutionary purpose that guides the plan. Sensing something of the purposefulness of life as it puts humanity through painful experiences so that we as a species can grow. This sense of divine purpose is what we can as a group align with, clarify in our understanding, and seek to be true to. And after a moment of silence, we'll use the mantra of unification. For those of us who are here, it's on your chairs. We'll change the, um, where it says, the sons of men, the sons, the souls of all are one. And in the last line, we'll change that all men prevail to let all people, let all men love to let all people love. So let's have a moment of focus on divine purpose. The souls of all are one, and I am one with them. I seek to love, not hate. I seek to serve and not exact due service. I seek to heal, not hurt. Let pain bring due reward of light and love. Let the soul control the outer form and life and all events, and bring to light the love that underlies the happenings of the time. Let vision come and insight. Let the future stand revealed. Let inner union demonstrate and outer cleavages be gone. Let love prevail. Let all people love. Ooh.
Thank you. In esoteric astrology, the Tibetan commented that humanity stood at a midway point between the two poles of mass consciousness and group consciousness. A fairly large minority said were, in his view, becoming group conscious, while the majority were emerging out of the mass conscious stage and becoming self-conscious individuals. Those that were becoming group conscious were challenged to develop intuitional awareness, while those who were on the path towards becoming fully self-conscious individuals were challenged to develop their own independent intelligence, to think for themselves with increasing power and clarity. This was the picture as DK saw it something like 75 years ago, and it's worth pondering how he might see the situation today. One thing that might stand out is that today the minority that is becoming group conscious would surely be larger, stronger, and more advanced on the path than when he was writing in the early 1940s. And as another thought, perhaps this growing minority is now more widespread through all the regions and cultures of the world than it ever has been in the past. There's no doubt that recognition of one humanity and the one life as it affects religion, economics, politics, and culture, is more widespread amongst those who are becoming group conscious than it has ever, ever been. And intuition is clearly in growing in this minority. There's evidence of this in the popularity in many parts of the world of spiritual practices like mindfulness, meditation, centering prayer, Raja Yoga, and presencing. And at the same time, we can probably assume that the majority that is emerging out of mass consciousness and becoming self-conscious individuals has hugely grown through the spread of education around the world, amongst other things. We only need to think of China and of the vast numbers who have moved out of poverty since the end of the Second World War to see any justification for this claim. So there's no doubt that intelligence and independent thought is growing as a result of education, and this is the greatest hope of the future, that rational, scientific, and creative thinking will come to the fore increasingly in the life of nations. The issue now, even more than when D.K. was working with Alice Bailey, would seem to be that the current Cancerian crisis in nations is less about mass consciousness per se than it is about the transitioning process from mass consciousness to self-consciousness, and from self-consciousness to group consciousness. For these transition processes are inevitably accompanied by unstable and conflicting energies and impulses, memories of the past surfacing amidst visions of future possibilities for individual and family achievement and advancement, visions of material success and, and personal ambition often thwarted by ecological, economic, and social constraints reflected in regulations that are relatively easy to impose on individuals and small businesses, but more difficult to impose on large corporations. The rising tide of self-consciousness has created an expectation that personal achievement and success in material as well as emotional realms will be available to all and with some ease. Marketing, popular entertainment and social media nationally 
naturally push, push this message of an unattainable physical and emotional nirvana for individuals. The work needed to move forward on any of these goals gets very little attention. Yet without the power of will and persistence, the goals are meaningless and empty. And more than this, the vision of material growth itself has to change. For it has to be balanced by the knowledge that we now have so strongly gained, the knowledge that the natural world needs our protection. This knowledge about the urgent need to protect the earth is becoming like a conscience. It's always present, whether we like it or not. It can't be escaped. But it's a conscience that we're as a species largely still uneasy with. We know that change is needed, but we don't yet have mainstream acceptance that change is needed, or even a clear idea of the change that's possible. Perhaps the Climate Change Agreement in Paris is a sign that this acceptance is becoming much, much closer, that it's just around the corner. And because of this, it's not surprising that the agreement has led to something of a backlash of resistance. But this can be understood as an effort to bury that small, nagging voice of conscience, that voice that will not go away, and that will wake us up at night. The transition from mass to individual consciousness inevitably produces widespread frustration. Majority populations passing through this transition are especially vulnerable to emotional pools that belong to an era when communities tended to be more culturally distinct and stable, with traditional family structures and strong religious bases. Local institutions like trade unions, school parent-teacher associations, churches, temples and mosques tended to be the center of family life and community life. Values tended to be shared and reinforced by these institutions. They provided a structure through which consciousness, conscience was able to find expression and be, have a strong presence. In many places, those institutions have lost their role as places of integration. For like it or not, life has pushed us into an era of interdependence when many of the principles and bases of morality that conscience spoke to communities are no longer relevant and have changed. And all this has happened at a time when individualism is growing at the expense of community and shared common values. So not surprisingly, this is happening at a time when material goals have often become the focus. We might see a crisis too in the minority that is moving from individual into group consciousness. It's easy for this minority to be attracted to ideals and in the process to forget the hard work needed to build a bridge between the personality with its goals and dreams and the deeper, more universal vision of the soul. This minority is challenged to craft lives that will serve and be of use to the development of right relations. 
the discipleship path is coming into focus within this minority. And it's not necessarily something easy, and it's certainly not something that sometimes is attractive. For it requires individuals to develop conscious practices and will to enable them to move towards their goal of becoming responsible group members. The minority that's transiting into group consciousness is challenged to consciously develop the will to love and to serve, and this is not something that comes with ease. It has to be done at a time when individual goals are highlighted everywhere, everywhere around us, creeping into the psyche in every little space. And when the superficial is forever in our face, often masquerading behind the slogans and language of a deeper unity, all lulling us to sleep, all seeking to lead people away from deeper will. Yet those on this path are being pushed forward by life, pushed to embrace the cancer keynote and to join with others in accepting responsibility to build a lighted house, recognizing that people as they are, without judgment, and that communities as they are, are the place of service. The challenge for this minority is to actively serve the plan as it is revealed to each person through the soul and to each group through the group soul. Without The challenge for this minority is to actively serve the plan without losing connection with humanity and without losing connection with the vast majority communities in which the group lives. For this minority, one of the lessons is to remain true to principles, to be a force for unity, and to do so with love, with understanding, and with a total freedom of judgment. The Cancer Full Moon is a good time to focus on taking the ideology and the emotions and the hormones out of big political issues by paying attention to what works at community and local levels, paying attention to what works in ensuring that everyone has adequate health care, what works in providing schools that engage students and help them to grow, what works in encouraging meaningful and fulfilling work in a neighborhood or in providing easy access to nature for everyone in a community, and what works in addressing fear of the other without ever thinking that those who fear are somehow lesser or inferior. Cancer, in other words, calls us to practice goodwill in building a lighted house, and it calls us to ally ourselves with the vast numbers of people of simple, humble goodwill from all sectors of society. For goodwill bridges the gap between the minority transiting into group consciousness and the majority transiting into individual consciousness. The United Nations Sustainable Development Goals are a perfect indica indication of what can work 
in bridging the divide between those who are transiting into group consciousness and those transiting into greater individual consciousness. For one thing, the SDGs take a down-to-earth look at practical issues confronting nearly every society in the world today. Poverty, water, health, education, energy, cities, economic inequality. Each goal contains a series of measurable targets so that a service group or a town or a religious community or a government or a local government can focus on addressing one target in their area and measuring progress towards achievement of that goal in a time scale moving towards the year 2030. And another way in which the SDGs provide a framework for working with people of goodwill from different ideological or partisan views is that the goals don't prescribe specific policies. They leave it up to governments or community groups or local towns to determine their own way of reaching the target. The only thing that matters is the target itself. So, for example, in Goal 12, to ensure sustainable consumption and production patterns, doing more and better with less, includes the target of halving per capita global food waste at the retail and consumer levels. This is something that any community in the United States or any country in the world could take on, engaging conservative and progressive people of goodwill in a measurable challenge that links them with other community groups in different parts of the world. Another target is to substantially reduce waste generation. The SDGs mean that while working towards a very practical goal like this, people are also growing in their ability to think globally and to build relationships with other communities facing different challenges and applying different ways of meeting the same targets. This all evokes a sense of recognition of the one humanity and of the power of goodwill to unite people across all sorts of psychological as well as ethnic and economic divides. In a week or so, World Goodwill's cycle of conferences visualization initiative will be inviting participants to visualize a tide of living will energy flowing into an important conference on the SDGs that should take place at UN headquarters in New York here, just here as we're looking out upon the headquarters, from July the 9th to the 18th. The cycle of conferences visualization will start next Thursday on July the 5th, I think it is. The High-Level Political Forum on Sustainable Development, as the conference is called, is an annual gathering for senior government representatives from around the world, cabinet ministers, United Nations agencies, professional associations and popular movements to review progress on specific goals and shine a clearer light onto what can be done to encourage the level of activity that will be needed to meet each of the goals. The High-Level Political Forum is the main agency where the UN is seeking to facilitate governments to develop will even when it's not there. So when UN offices, um, secretariat people, people who really care, can bring governments into an environment where there's likely to be some movement that may not otherwise naturally be there. This year's high-level political forum will be concentrating on reviewing progress on five goals. 
normally one wouldn't want to go into all the specifics of these things because it can become so, um, it attracts the concrete mind, it becomes so difficult. But this is the Cancer full moon. And because we're thinking about building a lighted house, let's for a moment mention these goals, specifics. So the, this year's high-level political forum um, looks at five goals. Goal six, to ensure the availability and sustainable management of water and sanitation for all. Goal seven, to ensure access to affordable, reliable, sustainable and modern energy for all. Goal 11, to make cities and human settlements inclusive, safe, resilient and sustainable. It's interesting that New York City has become one of the first cities to, um, to, report, to prepare reports for the UN on its attainment of sustainable development goals. Goal 12, to ensure sustainable consumption and production patterns. And goal 15, to protect, restore and promote sustainable use of terrestrial ecosystems, to sustainably manage forests, combat desertification and halt and reverse land degradation and halt biodiversity loss. These are enormous programs and goals to think that the whole community the whole human community to imagine the whole human community developing some natural muscle with a common will to achieve these goals we mightn't get a will like that in the next by 2030 but this is leading to a time when without a doubt 10, 15, 20 years' time, we will start to see a sign of that, that quality of will. The High-Level Political Forum will be meeting under the theme Transformation Towards Sustainable and Resilient Societies. And it's hard to think of a theme that will be more in line with the Cancer Keynote of Building a Lighted House than transition from mass consciousness to individual consciousness from individual consciousness to group consciousness, is all about transformation. For transformation is ultimately about consciousness. It's about mind and heart, values, will, purpose, responsibility. We're living through a time of the most profound transformation as the whole etheric field of humanity begins to respond, resonate, reject, but react to a note of higher purpose. In the midst of an intense bombardment of energies and forces carrying the Aquarian note, resistance to these forces naturally arises. Understandably, as the human species walks through this dangerous period of transformation, there is a need to build resilient muscles of goodwill. As we all know, this is what we need. As we all know this, as we all know this, we need to practice goodwill in our relationships until it becomes second nature. 
and we need to live our lives in such a way as to nourish the goodwill that's already present in the world. Most of all, we need to train ourselves to observe and notice goodwill wherever and whenever we see it, and to bring this goodwill that we notice into our deepest reflections, our meditations, and our invocations. Everyone who's registered to receive announcements of the cycle of conferences, visualizations, will shortly be receiving an email. And if you're not registered and you're interested in um, joining this daily um, visualization during the period when the the high-level forum will be meeting here at the UN, please register at um, at the website lucistrust.org/cycle. Lucistrust.org/cycle. Our new moon meeting will be here on July the 12th in the middle of this high-level political forum meeting. And for those who want to attend, we'll be holding the event in mind as part of a wider theme of discipleship action during these times of transition and transformation. But now, our work is to work together with a formula of structured thought letting in the light. Group fusion. We affirm the fact of group fusion and integration within the heart center of the group of world servers, mediating between hierarchy and humanity. I am one with my group brothers, and all that I have is theirs. May the love which is in my soul pour forth to them. May the strength which is in me lift and aid them. May the thoughts which my soul creates reach and encourage them. Alignment. We project a line of lighted energy towards the spiritual hierarchy of the planet, the planetary heart, the great ashram of Sanat Kumara, and towards the Christ at the heart of hierarchy. 
We extend the line of light toward Shambhala, the center where the will of God is known. the higher interlude. Hold the contemplative mind open to the extraplanetary energies streaming into Shambhala and radiated through hierarchy. Using the creative imagination, endeavor to see the three planetary centers, Shambhala, hierarchy, and humanity, gradually coming into alignment and interplay. Meditation. Reflect on the seed thought for cancer. I build a lighted house and therein dwell.
precipitation using the creative imagination visualize the energies of light love and the will to good pouring throughout the planet and becoming anchored on earth and prepared physical plane centers through which the plan can manifest use the sixfold progression of divine love as the sequence of energy precipitation Shambhala, Hierarchy, the Christ, the group of world servers, men and women of goodwill everywhere in the world, physical centers of distribution. Lower interlude. Refocus the consciousness as a group within the periphery of the great ashram. And together sound the affirmation. In the center of all love I stand. From that center, I, the soul, will outward move. From that center, I, the one who serves, will work. May the love of the divine self be shed abroad in my heart, through my group, and throughout the world. Visualize the downpouring spiritual inflow released from Shambhala through the hierarchy, streaming into humanity through the prepared channel. Consider how these inpouring energies 
are establishing the pathway of light for the coming world teacher, the Christ. Distribution. As the great invocation is sounded, visualize the outpouring of light and love and power from the spiritual hierarchy through the five planetary inlets of London, Darjeeling, New York, Geneva, Tokyo irradiating the consciousness of the whole human race. From the point of light within the mind of God, let light stream forth into the minds of men. Let light descend on earth. From the point of love within the heart of God, let love stream forth into the hearts of men. May Christ return to earth. From the center where the will of God is known, let purpose guide the little wills of men, the purpose which the masters know and serve. From the center which we call the race of men, 
Let the plan of love and light work out, and may it seal the door where evil dwells. Let light and love and power restore the plan on earth. Thank you, friends. Thank you for that work together. The next meeting here at the Lucis Trust office and to be broadcast will be on July the 12th, Thursday, July the 12th, from 6 till 7.30 for the new moon. And the next full moon meeting for the Festival of Leo on Thursday, July the 26th, at 6.30 p.m. We look forward to seeing you here in this room. It's a great service to the people who are able to make it, to actually make the effort to come out and sit in these seats and sit together and therefore form a physical nucleus for those who are listening into this broadcast and to form one of a multitude of networks of physical nucleuses, nuclei, around the planet at this time of the full moon. So please, if you're able to do it, we would so welcome you to come to this place, to sit in these chairs, to physically join us for this work. Thank you. Thank you for your participation in this group service. Please join us again next month. To receive announcements for our meetings, please email us at newyork at lucistrust.org.